0: Hi, I love the kind and down-to-earth attitude, the extensive animation knowledge, and the keen sense of humor of the rotoscopers. My favorite part of the podcast is the animation trivia that you can hear, and I thought it was hilarious when Mason Smith accidentally said that Rockadoodle only grossed (laughs) $12,000.
1: You're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, episode 29, The Best of 2012.
2: Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, Don Bluth, and everything in between. We're your hosts, Morgan Stradling and Chelsea Robson. Howdy ho, everybody. So I can't believe it, Chelsea. This has been one crazy year. It's been an amazingly crazy year. I can't believe it. The Rotoscopers began and was started and uh, we're coming up on our one year anniversary in February. But yeah, we have a lot of stuff that's happened with the show and with us and the podcast. So it's been good. It has been amazing.
1: I mean, I think back and there's so many things that happened this year that I never would have thought possible at the beginning when we first started it. Really amazing. But let's go into the news. Our news this week is basically just covering the top grossing films of 2012. I've got the top 10 movies here of 2012, and I'm pretty, I'm almost surprised at some of the rankings on here, but then again, I'm not really all that surprised. Morgan, are you ready for this list? Woo! So, the number one top-grossing film of 2012? (laughs) Disney's Brave. Weighing in at $237
2: million. Cha-ching! Domestically. So, yeah, that's actually kind of interesting. The number one highest-grossing film is Brave, which, okay, I'm not surprised, it's a Pixar film, so immediately it's going to be a huge success, it's going to get a lot of money, Um, but I am kind of surprised because I remember when people were saying when this came out, oh, Brave, it's not doing that well compared to other Pixar films, you know, but still that's saying something that, I mean, I'm looking at a list right now, and it's Brave is ranked 8th for domestic gross, uh, and it's above WALL-E, Ratatouille, Cars, even Cars 2. What? Um, you know, so it's still doing perfectly well, and the fact that it's beating anything else that came out this year, I still think it's pretty good. Yeah,
1: but you also have to think of when Brave came out. Brave came out in the middle of the year and a lot of the a lot of the big heavy hitters didn't come out till the end. True, true, true. So good points. These are, you know, you things facts you got to keep in there, but still, these are a really cool list. Number 2. This one surprised me a little bit, a lot. Um, Madagascar <laughs> 3, <laughs> DreamWorks and Paramount Pictures.
2: You know, um, maybe DreamWorks knows something that we don't. <laughs> maybe.
1: You know, just keep just keep throwing lots of lights and sparkles at them, and then they'll come come running. Hey, it worked. Dazzling 3D. And, and a 3D. They brought in a whopping $216 million. That was impressive. Next, we have Dr. Seuss's The Lorax. You know, we had a couple episodes where we focused a lot on this movie because it was coming out, and it was kind of the biggest movie that was coming out around the time that we started. So, you know, speaking on that, what is going to be in, t- in store
2: for 2012? Okay, so next one coming up a bit after that is Dr. Seuss's The Lorax. That's by Illumination Entertainment. I'm not a huge Dr. Seuss fan, but I will see it. It does look interesting from the preview I saw.
1: I just I everything that I've ever seen about this book or anything just to me has like a moral written all over it and I'm just not a fan of of movies or anything where it just like they've spoon feed you the moral throughout the entire thing. So I mean it's a good concept and everything, but it's just like I I wanna decide that I that I like, you know, trees of my <laughs> This on my own, not them like telling me this huge <laughs> long story about these different trees that get cut down and now it's no longer there.
3: Huh. Well, Lorax. Well, this movie is the new territory for me. I'm, so, I'm completely unfamiliar with about it. About
1: what is it about? So we have this this city or this town or whatever they've. They've basically turned everything into plastic or paint over. Yeah, everything is artificial and they've been trained to like it and or not think outside the box. But there's a girl who says, Hey, look, this is a picture of a tree. And they get all like, they get all excited about this. What is this thing they call a tree that lives and grows and is not plastic? So he ends up going on this little adventure, meets this, you know, the short, you know, little monster who has the voice of... Danny DeVito. Dan DeVito. And <laughs> it's just, fabulous. All right.
2: And <laughs> I just think of little
4: film. Oh, boy. I know.
1: <laughs> like I think orange film. Oh,
4: boy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do. I think a lot of Hercules in that moment. So he just talks about how these trees, you know, they, they used to be there, but then they cut them all down and, and build up a town that didn't need anything that would grow or that would die. And so... But then the the kid is on a quest at this point in time to raise so that everybody can know about that. You know what? We have trees. We can plant them. We can be real. And so I don't know. It's just like I said. I understand. I like the concept. I like trees. I do. Do you? I do. <laughs> but I don't want them to be spoon feeding me this moral for an hour and a half. You know. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs>
3: That- yeah, you probably don't need to see the movie if you already <laughs> love. You know, this is-
2: well, we'll see well, least, sounds- when it comes out. We'll give our reviews on. Yeah, it. what were you sounds- saying?
3: Sounds fascinating. Yeah.
2: Hey, at least this is one that like you can read the book beforehand, and it's not That's that big. True. It's not that big of a task. That's true. <laughs> It'll take ten minutes.
3: <laughs> Unless you overly analyze anything, in which yeah. case Doctor Seuss can be very deep.
2: Yeah. yeah, we'll hold that off for the college courses.
4: <laughs> there you go.
1: Um, So they've had a good time to build up a lot of revenue on this one.
2: Yeah, $214 million. So just right behind Madagascar 3. I remember when this came out back in March, it actually toppled a few records. It grossed $70.2 million on its opening weekend, which was huge. This was March 2nd. It wasn't even spring break. I mean, there was just a lot of buzz about the Lorax. Um, It had the second largest opening for an environmentalist film. And obviously the biggest opening for Illumination Entertainment, so they were very happy. And then third best film debut in March. Dang!
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and number four was Wreck-It Ralph, brought to us by Disney. They, so far, they've come in with $173 million. Cha-ching! And counting. And counting, yeah. They, I mean, that was just in November too, so that that one's definitely up there. Got yeah. a lot of traction, and that'll keep going, rising up really high. I'm pretty sure our test screening episode has something to do with that. You know, we had an awesome opportunity to, to be able to go and see the test screening of Wreck-It Ralph that yes. came to town. It was really exciting. Oh, for sure.
2: So let's talk about how we came across this screening. As we
1: were standing there, we see these people just like walking around with these clipboards, very official like, and they had this picture on one of them and she pointed out to me, and I'm like, what is this? So I went over and I talked to this guy and it had, he pulls out and he's like, would you like to see this film? And he like takes his hand and like, he like says the word as he like points it, wreck it, Ralph. It <laughs> is actually uh, the newest Disney movie that will be coming out soon. It's an animated film. Would you like to see it? Like, yes. Yes, I would, <laughs> Mr. Man. I, I would definitely love to see this. How many can I take? <laughs> So I grabbed that one, and Morgan came over, grabbed one as well, and we were and, in And we were in, we were in. <laughs> Number five, we have Ice Age Continental Drift, brought to us by Fox. And they brought in $161 million, followed by Hotel Transylvania, Sony, $143 million, Rise of the Guardians, DreamWorks, which is $85 million,
2: and actually, that's actually been pretty sad for DreamWorks. I think. I think a lot of people, especially those who worked on it, were really excited for this film, and it just didn't take off like people wanted. Yeah, it was I, really good, but yeah, it's kind of been a disappointment box office wise.
1: Hmm. But it's still like it was for me one of the top one of the top movies of the year. So as far as gross wise, it doesn't great the way I would put it, but it's it's a really good film. Then we have Paranorman, brought to us by Focus. And then, interestingly enough, Beauty and the Beast 3D and Finding Nemo 3D, both brought in over $40 million. Ooh,
2: It's
1: pretty amazing.
2: That's the gift that keeps on giving, let me so tell you. <gasps> All you have to do is spend a couple extra million, convert it to 3D, release it, and it almost does just as well as Paranorman. Yeah. Wow, uh, well, <laughs> nostalgia. it just makes you want to go see it again. Exactly. So congratulations
1: to all those studios for putting out such great works. I'm really happy about, I mean, it really was a good year.
2: Very good year in animation. I'm, I was impressed with this year. I liked the majority of the movies I saw. Um, some I didn't, some were just okay, including the direct to video ones, which, and, uh, the re-releases and whatnot. So, 2012 is a good year, and I'm looking forward to 2013. Okay, so this is the main dish of our show today. It is our best of 2012 show. In So our year interview, everything that we've done that's funny, that wasn't funny, highlights, best of moments, will be in the show. And it's been really fun putting it together and, you know, reminiscing in the past and talking about, you know, the Rotoscopers and seeing how far we've come because we have come quite far. And, yeah, we've just gained a lot of fans and, and supporters and, you know, thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone for the support for the show. And It's been fun to have this little community surrounding the show. And so this is just the year in the review.
1: It really has. Like I said earlier, it's just been an amazing year. Just the opportunities that have come along because we decided to put this together. You know what's funny? The reason why we wanted to put this together, I just remember a couple of years ago, Morgan and I just sitting around talking like, what should we do today? I don't know. Let's, let's like do a podcast. We should do that. That'd be cool but we never actually did, but we always planned on it. Like, okay, someday when we do our podcast, we'll do this. Someday when we do our podcast, we'll do this. And, you know, we just kept going over and over and over. And when the stars finally aligned and we were able to actually sit down and do it, it's just amazing the different things that have come around. But like Morgan was talking about, there's a lot of things that you learn as you get going. And the joys of learning how to do a podcast are blooper filled. (laughs) Can you hear me?
3: Uh, it's really low.
1: Mine is really
2: low. Hello.
3: Hello. You're hello. Turn down a little bit, Morgan.
2: Turn yeah. down. Or is it better?
3: That's better. Right there.
2: Is it, is it quiet?
3: Quiet. Maybe a tad louder.
2: For me? For me? Okay, Chelsea?
3: you're okay. That's fine, Morgan. But I can't even hear Chelsea.
1: Well, I I didn't speak, but I'm speaking now. Can you hear me very well at all?
3: I am <laughs> Way too way too low. It needs to be louder. There's also quite a bit of background noise with y'all. Um now it's gone.
2: Why why whenever we close the, door, close the door it's fine. I think it's just the
0: because of the Okay, hold on. I'm gonna
2: I'm gonna stop the recording real
3: So how's my audio sounding?
2: It is sounding to keep talking?
3: Oh, um, yeah, so. <laughs> I never know what to say when you're like, keep talking, as so much just like, okay.
2: Well, sounds good to me.
3: <laughs> All right.
2: Does so it go under? It goes over the air.
3: Okay, great. I hear lots of banging around.
2: Yeah, I wasn't moving, sorry.
3: <laughs> oh, okay. Don't
2: move. Don't touch anything. and action all right who's gonna start it i'll start it (laughs) okay how's everyone doing today fantastic
3: yeah just great
2: oh good i'm doing great Mason, that doesn't really sound very convincing. Convincing, yeah.
3: Oh no, this is awesome. I mean, we've got our sec- this is our second episode, so we like survived the pilot episode, so I'm feeling good about this. And
2: this is also our second time recording the second episode. Oh yeah. Hey, practice makes perfect. <laughs> yeah. So for everyone, you know, we're get we're new at this. We're working out the kinks. we were halfway into our last episode, and we recorded 45 minutes worth, and That's then what we thought, and we realized we didn't push the record button. It was really sad. Yes. Okay, I just have to let everybody know. We have a cricket issue. So if you hear random chirping, it's because we have a visitor (laughs) and we can't get rid of him. So we're just going to go forward. So if you hear chirping in the background, I'm so sorry. I really am. We but try not to be that boring, but you know we try it comes so what, around. What we're trying to do is like when Chelsea's talking, I go over and stand by the cricket so it'll be quiet, and then when it's my turn to cut to talk again, I rush back and then I start talking, oh, and then in the middle of my talking, the cricket will go again, and so I run back over. It's a horrible, horrible situation. So we've just decided, whatever, you can chirp away. So that's how our night has been. It's oh, been so great.
3: I'm so sorry. I was going to mute my microphone, and I hung up instead. Recording section. No flushing yeah, allowed.
1: About Zeke's secret weapon. The Thanks. Oh.
3: Oh, sorry, Bert. Uh. I don't know. Yeah, you know. The Lego table. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Dude, I was, I was, I, ha- I was like a shareholder of the Lego table in my, in my school. <laughs>
1: Okay. You got the stupid cricket going.
2: What is that cricket doing? Oh. Jiminy, get out of here! <laughs> it, um, cricket is going! Ah, freaking thing! You can leave. Oh. <laughs> I'll go manage the cricket.
3: Go stand guard at the cricket.
1: <laughs> He's looking over from Sid's house just, into just... Andy's room. Go get the cricket. Go stand by the cricket.
3: Wait, are you also killing the cricket?
1: Yes. (laughs) Sorry. There's two. There's two now.
3: The crickets, they were sent by a disgruntled animator to disrupt our podcast.
1: Okay. Oh, crap. I wasn't recording any of that.
2: (laughs) Okay. No, I am. I am. Okay, never mind. Ah, the scare of the unrecord. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Dude. Dude. (laughs) This <laughs>
3: is this is the rotoscopers podcast episode five. Yeah. We uh, have
2: people talking in the background. I yeah. feel
1: like one of those like really nerdy people.
3: they first the crickets
1: <laughs> the
5: people. Hey, mom,
2: can you be quiet? <laughs> no, it's like the little
1: kid in the other room trying to be all sophisticated and then, mom, be quiet. <laughs> 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 One really funny thing about this podcast, so when Morgan was filling me in on all the details of putting the podcast, of actually getting it together and putting it all together, she told me about, hey, I've got this guy friend, and I think it would be good to have him on there. And I'm thinking, okay, cool, whatever. I'm just, cool, whatever. And so the very first time I met Mason Smith was on our very first episode
2: (laughs) (laughs) We didn't even have, we, we tried to schedule an a introductory session for you two. It just never worked out. And so finally on the very first episode, we kind of just hit the ground running. Here you yeah, go.
1: Exactly. I mean, just things just clicked. Like that first episode straight from the beginning, we just all knew that it was going to be a fun time. And we just have come and grown through this last year, you know, getting to know each other more and more. <laughs>
3: That's my standard uh, politician laugh. That was that I good. Use on that my, was
1: good. I liked it. it.
3: It's my politician laugh that I use on my... Actually, my politician laugh is like... <laughs> 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 it's that one. <laughs> I and then, when I crack, and then when I crack
1: And then I when Mason. I crack up. I am Mason Smith, and I approve of this message.
3: <laughs> Fellow Americans, this is... I'm, I'm Mason Smith. Your your choice for uh, for presidential candidate this is all I have to say about my opponent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Mason Smith. I approve this message. I still say anonymous. Really? Instead of anonymous. Yeah, anonymous. Wow.
2: How did that happen?
3: Did- well, I when I was two it- years old, I taught myself how to read, but I taught myself like phonetically, like how the word looks, uh-huh. and so that accounts for a lot of pronunciation problems that I have. Ah. I didn't know it was pronounced oregano until about five years ago.
2: What did you say? Oregano?
3: I'd be like, welcome to Subway. What can I have? Well, I'd like it on Italian oregano cheese bread, please. (laughs) Oregano. (laughs) Great. It's oregano, kid. (laughs) And I'd go to the same Subway, you know, when I was working at the mall at Oakley. So, I mean, golly, that took a long time. I forgot who told me how it was, but. Uh, now, Chris Sarandon, is that how you, that's how you pronounce his name?
2: Chris Sarandon.
3: Oh, boy. am with Oregano. Okay, let's talk about another complex character that I think, he's one of the more iconic characters of this film, and that is No Face.
2: Oh, yeah.
3: <laughs> you know, I think I have a better understanding of him after seeing this film. This was the third time I'd seen the film, so I think Ooh. my understanding of him has deepened. Kind of a creeper, right? I'll just go out and say it. He's a very strange, creepy guy.
2: Well, and, and the thing is with No-Face is that he's um, never really explained fully. I mean, we, we still don't really know who he is, other than they say he's a monster, but that's the people in the bathhouse interpretation of him. Uh, right. He was eating people, and that's, yes, he
3: That, that was a sweet scene when he's through <laughs> the bathhouse, and he's, like, this huge galloping monster. <laughs> right, and he is really interesting, and there are different interpretations, and that's why I like that Miyazaki kept it open-ended. I did find a couple of um, fan theories on the internet. Um, the first is that No Face is a, he stands for the impressionable introverted adolescent male. And to summarize the theory, uh, basically the whole thing is about him like that nobody ever pays him attention. He doesn't have any friends. And, but then the moment when Chihiro shows him kindness and lets him in the bathhouse, he's like smitten, he's in love. So, this theory is about him representing kind of this like adolescent male who, like, you know, is trying to win the affections of this girl he has a crush on. So,
2: yeah, I've definitely been in Shihiro's shoes where um, you do one nice thing for a guy and <laughs> suddenly it's like, <laughs>
3: and suddenly they're like, eh,
2: they're, in eh. love. they're in love with yeah. you and they won't stop they talking to no you. Faith. And you're like, I was just trying to say hi because. No one else would. Like, I just wanted to be nice to you, and you know, I get to know you a little better, not be your girlfriend.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: that's it's happened, oh. <laughs> and then and then they follow you and turn into a stalker and call you somehow get your number and then find you at church and even though they don't go to your church and oh, yeah, yep yep this has happened. Oh yeah. man, <laughs> <God. laughs> you've
3: had a no face.
2: I've, I've had a no face. <laughs> if only he offered me gold. Oh, my God. <laughs>
3: Oh, gosh. So you are definitely not hero.
2: <laughs> not anymore. <laughs>
3: oh, this was definitely... I'm saying I she's mean. a gold digger. <laughs> but yeah, No Face is really cool.
2: And then just spiraling in circles. It was just like a strange moment to me. It's like, oh, you just realized that you're the guy you were in love with.
0: Is a river spirit who's not mm, really out of our human. league. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Birdman you cannot marry Aqua girl. <laughs> you are from worlds World. <laughs> <laughs> Wells.
2: This is some from Comic Book Guy. Uh-oh. And then, Worst and then
3: character ever. no, and then
2: right after that moment when he says
1: that he. The bomb is like coming straight at him, and he looks at it, he's like, oh, I've wasted my life. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Fantastic.
1: Love it. Did you ever, you never really got into Simpsons, did you?
3: No, I, I I wasn't allowed to watch it when I was a kid.
1: Oh, deprived.
3: So, But, but we watched King of the Hill, which is, which sometimes is just as inappropriate. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess that's because we're from South Texas, and so (laughs) it's, like, required. It's therefore okay. (laughs) And and I I have no problem with that because I love King of the Hill. Um, But uh, Mom just would never let us watch The Simpsons.
1: Yeah. See, The Simpsons is, like, part of my vocabulary. I, (laughs) I have three languages. I have Simpsons, Seinfeld, and Disney. (laughs) <laughs> and nope, like in mixture order, depending on the subject matter that we're talking about at the moment. But those are the three things that I end up just quoting all the time. Yeah. But so, yeah, if I were to start you on a season, I would say just start with season two. Find somebody who's got it. Somebody's got to have it up there. Start in season two and then just start finding your way around any season in the first 10 are really funny.
4: <laughs> yeah.
3: I remember watching the very first Simpsons episode in my English class in high school.
1: That one's not as good. Like it's the first one, so it's not going to be. I mean, unless you're a rotoscoper, you know, your first episode isn't going to be that great. Uh, ha,
5: ha, ha.
3: <laughs> that is true. Chelsea. That is I know. True. <laughs> He's such a little girl. <laughs> He's a little girl. What's up with David Archuleta? <laughs> It's like a little baby deer, like a little Bambi. This whole time, she's like, hey guys, it's so great to be here in Utah. (laughs) I'm going to sing a song for you guys.
5: Oh, you guys are great. Thank you so much.
3: And we're like, sing the song already. And
1: do you know what, Morgan? I don't. (laughs) Tell me. I don't think we realized how much of like fangirls we actually were at the beginning. I don't think we were, were we? Oh, we were. Yeah, we were. My dreams came true. You don't understand. And it wasn't Disney related. No, it it was wasn't not- Disney. Oh. Not at all. Well, <laughs> you know what? It doesn't matter because. This was even better. We had the fantastic opportunity to head on over to a neighboring city and visit our good friend Don Bluth (laughs) in his house and watch a nice fun theater moment oh it
2: was fantastic yep so I think we mentioned in the past episode Don Bluth has a production company a theater that he runs out of his home and there is a full schedule and lineup of plays that he does and he is the director producer he apparently has been doing this for seven years and so we got to go and in the process got to meet Don Bluth.
1: Oh my gosh. So exciting.
2: It was amazing.
1: As we drove in, we parked in the driveway and then we're walking up the walk and his door is like popped open a little bit. And then the very first thing we see, a man, red shirt, off in the corner. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, it's him, it's him, it's him.
2: Be cool. Yeah, because Don Bluth wears, like in all his pictures or a lot of them, he's wearing red, like that's his color. And so I saw the red and I was like, oh my gosh, it's Tom Bluth. He's right there. He's handing me my program. <gasps> Hi. Thank you. Oh, okay.
3: <laughs> I am now the coolest kid in America. Yeah, it's really cool.
2: It's in his house. And so his living room is converted to a stage. So he has this really big living room and there's probably about 50 chairs. There's two rows on three sides of the house. And then on the fourth side, there's a big black backdrop, a stage, all the stage lights. So it was really exciting. And he had artwork all over the walls. That was my favorite part. And I was just sitting there staring. It's like, oh my gosh,
1: this is fantastic. Random picture, random sketch drawing from Secret of Nim*. (gasps)
2: Awesome. We saw the play *Bullets Over Broadway*, which was actually a Woody Allen film that they kind of converted. It was unique. They did a great job oh. too. Yeah, it was exciting. Okay, so we got to meet him, and it was really exciting. Chelsea had a, a mutual friend who's in the play, and then who knew us, so he introduced us to him afterwards. And it was just really funny because we didn't want to be like we're like we are now, like totally geeking out. And we're like, of course, we said, the, "Oh, we're really big fans. We have an animation podcast. We know all about you." Which <laughs> (laughs) (laughs)
3: I don't know if it was the best.
2: (laughs) (laughs) He was very
1: gracious. He was just like, whoa, what a compliment. Thank you. Yes, he did say that.
2: So we announced it to some friends, and they looked at us like, uh, Who's
4: that? <laughs> okay, great. That's, I understand. Aww.
2: And, of course, we had to be like, the guy who directed All Dogs Go to Heaven, Land Before Time, Anastasia, and everyone. Oh, oh, okay. oh that, okay. Is okay. Cool. that is cool. Oh, okay. cool. It was an amazing experience. I'm going to write up a review and put it on the website so you can read it there. And if you are in Arizona, you have to go it's really cheap it's only like 20 bucks definitely very reasonable and actually was really good quite good i thoroughly enjoyed myself so if you would like to research more about this play or this theater go to don bluth theater.com it's a very long website but it's pretty freaking cool So, during this episode, we're also going to be reading some fan mail that we've received throughout the year because our fans are just as much a part of the show as us, and they contribute, and, you know, they catch our mistakes that we make, and they contribute and teach us things about animation that we didn't know and about the movies that we review, so... Here is a fan mail from Daniel Moreno, and he's talking a little bit about Mason. So he says, Hey guys, I'm Daniel Moreno. I'm a 23-year-old Venezuelan from Caracas, and I love your discussions. The humor, the energy, the overall passion for animation really resonates with me because I too am a fan of all kinds of animation. Hearing you is great because I'm practicing character animation on my own. There's no animation industry in this country, and schools like Animation Mentor are way too expensive for my middle economic status. And my objective is to work a as an animator helping to tell great stories although things are a little discouraging here when most people around me treat such such a plan as a child's dream because of the odds i hate that word by the way of, of that happening i keep working really hard though and i know when i'm ready the animation world will have its arms wide open for me just as much as i know it will for you mason when you finish your studies thank you for being an inspiration to keep doing what i love daniel so that's really cool thank you daniel that um I'm glad that our show inspires you. It not only inspires, you know, you and other people, but inspires me as well. I just hearing people and and their stories is really exciting to me and really fun to hear how our show is helping people achieve their dreams. Um, because, you know, that's one thing I always love about Disney is just Disney is all about the dream, right? And many of us have dreams of working in the animation industry, whether it's as, as an animator, whether it's just working in more of the management side or some of us have no desire to work in animation at all, but you know, are just passionate about it. So yeah, I I like to see, um, up and coming animation students and future animators and hear their stories as well as people from in the business. So it's exciting. Thanks, Daniel.
1: A year ago, I never would have thought I would have received an email from Daniel Moreno from Caracas, Venezuela, telling me (laughs) that something that I did is cool. (laughs) Like that's cool. Yay! Just side note.
2: Anyway, so this next email—this is probably the one of the longest emails we've ever received—and it's from Chris Coleman, and he is in—he's essentially the man behind uh, TrackSounds.com, which is a website that covers movie soundtracks from various animated non-animated, just film in general, right? He is the man behind the music. So he wrote a very long email, and I thought it was very um, on point, especially since it talks about our Prince of Egypt episode, and we focused very much on the music in that episode, and I thought it'd be very interesting to hear his perspective because he is, you know... Hey, he, he had the gusto to create a website, right? So now he's an expert. And I really do do mean that in all seriousness, that he is an expert. So I, I really like this email. So it says, hi, folks. Just wanted to express my pre- appreciation for giving some coverage to the great animated feature that is the Prince of Egypt. As you all pointed out, it's a 2D feature that didn't and still does not get the accolades it should. The art style, lighting, and use of CGI is top rate all the way through and puts many 3D animated features to shame. for For DreamWorks animation, it ranks just below How to Train Your Dragon, but in terms of 2D, it's easily their best. I'd say it surpasses many of Disney's 2D features of the mid to late 90s, including Tarzan. Anyways, glad you featured the music so prominently in your (laughs) discussion. Hard not to, as it's a musical. It is one of Hans Zimmer's finest works for an animated film, including The Lion King. Just have a listen at the burning bush sublime. I do disagree regarding playing with the big boys now. When I first saw it back in theaters in 98, I had no issue issue with it, and still don't to this day. It was their only nod to offering something playful in the film. Some needed... Contrast given all the heaviness that follows. I found the number very entertaining, even though at its heart it's pretty dark, especially when you think about what's going on during that scene. An interesting juxtaposition, at least, in my opinion. The title became sort of a thing between myself and some of my co-workers. Whenever one of us was being challenged by something, we'd often break out the phrase, Well, you're playing with the big boys now, and eventually we'd belt out a few lines from that song. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Still, I suppose I can see someone not feeling it appropriate. I also didn't find those two characters distracting either. I think you minimize the role they play in your discussion though. They certainly appear and interact in the film much earlier than you make it sound. That is true. We didn't really focus on them at all. Right. I disagree about the music used in the end titles. You only talked about the Voice to Men song, which I don't find all that compelling either, but neglected to talk about the Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey's duet, which works perfectly after the symphonic finale. Make no mistake, the African-American attendance for the film was much higher than the average animated 2D film, so it was definitely a calculated marketing decision, as well as just a trope of the era. I was hoping you'd close the podcast with that version. By the way, what version was that you did use at the end? Chelsea?
1: Um, I I don't think he listened to the very tail end, because that's when I gave my my very poignant, shameless plug. <laughs> um, that's actually me singing. I was just having fun in the studio one day, and I really wanted to do this song because we were doing this episode. So I just sang it, and you can actually find the video online. You know, that was me.
2: Uh, he goes on to say... Sorry for the lengthy email, but running a podcast myself, I know that the longer-form feedback can be very helpful. I also leave you with this unrelated question. Do you think that Brave and Tangled could have been done successfully as 2D films? I personally think they could have been, as the 3D-ness really added little to these particular stories. Thanks and keep up the good work. Christopher Coleman from tracksounds.com. Thank you so much, Christopher, for that. I really liked hearing a, a contrary opinion to ours, because obviously we kind of... Uh, can put the blinders on and just continue with our discussion and so it's nice to hear an outsider's opinion especially one that's very poignant and true and so my opinion on Brave and Tangled yeah I mean I, I heard people talking about Brave how amazing the 3D was not well 3D meaning CGI and how how great it was and the hair was very vibrant and just lush so I don't know about Brave being done in 2D but I definitely could see Tangled I think definitely could have been done in 2d um just going back and looking at glen Keane's concept art it makes you wish for that version in my opinion i mean sometimes when i see this concept art and just the the feel and the life of the 2d line it's just very i get very enviable and wish for the version that never was <laughs> but yeah i mean tangled does is beautiful for what it is but yeah i mean it's kind of a shame that that 2D is kind of being forgotten in ways. I I don't know if this is ever in Pixar's future, but it would be really cool to see them do a 2D feature. I mean, that's really going out of their comfort zone because since they're, you know, first and foremost, a technology company, but, um, you know, I'm sure they have a few people around who still have those skills, and, you know, they may be able to blend it with the 3D in a way. Uh, It'd be really cool because I do think that Pixar... Could pull it off, but yeah, that being said, I hope there's more and more features from at least Disney that feature the 2D, because that's just, let's be honest, 2D is my love. So anyways, here's Morgan's monologue on your email. But yeah, thanks for the email. So you can find Christopher at tracksounds.com. You can listen to his podcast there. And so if you're really interested in movie soundtracks or film scores, definitely check it out because it's a great resource. And he reviews all the new CDs and and, and films that come along with them. So yeah, go check it out.
1: Along with the joys of podcasting, uh, you find out a little bit more about each other as you learn to multitask.
2: See. Chelsea just brought me food and I can't say no. Okay. Um. No, while you were away, Chelsea didn't come for like another 15 minutes. It was just me. Uh-huh. So I recorded the Audible thing
4: uh-huh.
2: and this is actually not episode 6, it's actually episode 7. Um, uh-huh. Episode 6 is like That mini episode, it's not out yet, but it's that interview panel with Brad Bird at the Los Angeles Animation Festival. Oh, okay, yeah. So, I just recorded that really quick. Thanks, Kay. Thanks, Kay. (laughs) Cool. Well, hold on, let me finish this.
3: Tamale. Okay, so episode six will be the Brad Bird panel? Yeah. Oh, sweet.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. So, surprise.
3: Surprise, we <laughs> actually have seven I, episodes.
2: <laughs> I Yay, looked surprise. online, and I, it doesn't seem like no one posted it anywhere. So that's good. Yeah. There's just like a two-minute a two minute clip from it. Not sufficient. Huh. Just
5: okay. One. Something
2: about. Oh, my water. I got a wa- I'm going to get a water real quick, and then we can okay.
3: start. Okay, I'm going to get one, too.
2: Um, yes No problemo. Are you still there? Um Hello, hello. <laughs> It's oh,
3: sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. sorry. I'm sorry. I was looking at something really funny on the internet. Okay, I'm Focus. Sorry, but someone there's a page where you can download a bunch of quotes from Angry Beavers, and okay. it's one of my favorite cartoon shows. Anyway, <laughs> oh jeez.
1: <laughs> what is that?
3: <laughs> sorry, what's up? What
1: was that?
3: Sorry, I was watching a video.
0: (laughs) You're so lame! Focus! Hey, Rotoscopers. Loyal listener Maggie here, wanting to wish you a happy holidays and all that hullabaloo. So, I listen to you guys all the time. Just thought you should know that, especially when I'm doing calculus homework. So, thank you for making that a bit more manageable. I mean, it's still math, and that kind of sucks. But, anyway. Best of 2012, eh? I love you all, but Mason always makes me smile. What can I say? He has a quick wit and a knack for impressions. Of note, I always get a laugh out of his poor unfortunate toys in episode 6 and his recitation of the king of thieves trailer from episode 11 but don't feel too bad morgan chelsea girl power the swan princess episode is one of my favorites even if the movie isn't for some reason the funniest moment for me is when you both simultaneously crack up listening to the trailer most magical musical adventure indeed i love your banter and your childhood stories all right, I'm tired. It's been a long day and yes, I didn't actually have to write this all out. So, here's to a new year of more reviews, more nerdy couch discussions, more animation and more time vortexes. Catch you later.
6: Hi, this is Melissa Kumro. Um I started listening to your podcast kind of after it came out already and uh, I was listening to it, trying to get my friends to listen to it, too. I don't think they do. (laughs) They're lost. For your entire episodes of 2012, um, I've always liked the ones where it was Disney movies or things that are close to Disney movies. Like the first episode, the Beauty and the Beast one, where Mason said that it asked if the... um, Enchanted Rose was like a time vortex. I was sitting in my bed just listening to it, and I burst out laughing. I'm surprised my parents did not come in and check on me. And I couldn't help but go to school the next day and start using those references that I've heard throughout your show. And my other favorite moments were um, when you guys were kind of quoting... The Iron Giant. I had never seen that movie, but I found all the quotes hilarious and kind of heartwarming, and made my ride to school way fun, way more fun than it should have been. And another episode of my favorites was the Swan Princess. I had never seen that movie either, but yeah, I haven't seen a lot of movies. Um, But you guys singing on it at the end, that was hilarious. And how you guys kind of got off topic with the singing was even more hilarious to me. Because I have a tendency to do that myself. Another favorite episode of mine was, I don't know if it was Tangled or Anastasia that came first. But the Tangled episode where you guys shared your favorite princesses. And I forgot which one was like, I can't say I like Belle because she's a brunette because my girlfriend's a blonde. I think that was Mason, but I'm not sure right now. Um, that one made me lol, and it was hilarious, and that was probably my favorite point of the episode, besides when you guys all quote the movies, because um, I have to do that as well. Um, i think I'm a lot. Another favorite episode of mine was... Anastasia, because I grew up watching and kind of singing along to what I thought was the real version, found out was not when I was like in sixth grade that, oh, this is not the real movie. I was like, what the heck? I was watching The Secret of Anastasia, as it was actually called in the movie. Anastasia. I was like, I like this movie yay and then i found out anastasia what and then i i convinced my mom to get it for me at the five dollar shelf at target and she thought that we already had the movie i said no we have the parody i'm very sorry and throughout that episode i was like resputed you're so lame and, like, Bortok got—just so you guys know, Bortok, he got another movie. I don't know if you guys—I forgot if you guys brought this up in the show, but he got another movie. And they—and I'm pretty sure they have sold them as a double feature somewhere in the vast thing of Walmart double features. Um, So, that's always— favoriting of mine when you guys make fun and analyze some of the villains in animated kids TV movies not TV movies they show them on TV but they didn't come out on TV um another favorite episode of mine was Toy Story episode because well there are, I realized how quotable all Pixar movies are and at Girl Scout camp my Camp name for being a camp helper person thing. I am Pixar, and I have a Pixar name tag that has like Pixar characters on the Pixar logo. And and I, growing up, I always loved Toy Story, Toy Story Two, and like all the other Disney movies out there of Pixarness, and. I didn't realize till like I had grade ten. I'm not going to be able to work for them because I can't draw, um, and so that kind of dampered me. And then I was, and then while I was listening to you guys talk about Pixar and everything, It was like I was sitting there laughing because so much of it. I just realized how hilarious everything is to me, and. How I never caught some sly things there and I was like, What did they say that? I remember now. Okay. I was sitting there listening and I was sitting there waiting for my mom to pick me up after a drama session thing at our community place thing. And so I was like I was sitting there laughing and The person who was waiting with me because my mom was kind of late because she didn't remember what time I was supposed to be picked up. I had to explain myself. I was like, I'm listening to a podcast. They're talking about Toy Story. I really like Toy Story. I'm going on seven minutes, over seven minutes now. So I think I should probably stop. I really enjoy your podcast. And I'm sorry if I sound terrible like on this i have a terrible cold <coughs> not cold per se cough i hope you guys continue doing what you're doing it makes my life so much fun and easier goodbye rotoscopers this was melissa kumro
2: so here's an email we got from Gemma clark subject loving the podcast hey guys and girls yes and girls <laughs> there's more of us than one of them <laughs> <laughs> just wanted to say that i'm a new follower of this podcast and i really love it i've still got a few episodes i've still got a few more past episodes to listen to but i'm getting there it's great to hear some girls opinions on animated films seems as if i feel a bit ostracized in real life being a total animation geek and everyone else I know being completely clueless. I also love that you're talking about many different animation studios films. I can't wait to hear more Ghibli episodes. I was just wondering, in relation to your most recent podcast, The Nightmare Before Christmas, kind of, sort of, what do you think of Corpse Bride and Frankenweenie? And or will you be talking about them at a later time? Sorry if you've mentioned this already in an episode. I haven't listened to it yet. Keep up the great work, and I'm looking forward to many future episodes. Okay, well, first off, this obviously is an email from October. (laughs) But that's why we're catching up on all of our emails and, you know, putting 2012 to an end. So all the 2012 emails we are reading right now. So thank you, Gemma. So I actually really like Corpse Bride. Um, I actually remember seeing it with Chelsea for the first time. She came to visit me while I was up at school and we saw saw Corpse Bride because we were such animation nerds and no one else would see it with us. Um, so, I like that movie. I don't know if it's one of my favorites. It's, it's, it's very odd um, in a quirky sort of way, but I like it. It's okay. And Frank and Weenie. We, did we talk about Frank and Weenie? We
1: mentioned it very briefly on, on the Nightmare Before Christmas episode, but not very much.
2: Yeah, I really liked Frank and Weenie a lot. I liked it a lot more than Paranorman. And it was fun. It was exciting. It was cute and a little heartfelt. Um, definitely a really good Burton film, I thought. But apparently, audiences didn't think the same. Because when we read that list just now, Frankenweenie wasn't on there, huh?
1: No, it wasn't.
2: Oh, so, I loved it too. Disappointment for Disney because a lot of time and effort. I mean, effort. Hello, for stop motion. Um, there's a lot of effort that gets put into it, but. Yeah, it was good, and I didn't see any problems with it. I was just really surprised that not that more people didn't see it.
1: Yeah. Our next email comes from us from Mike B., and he says, Hey, guys, this has been a great year for stop-motion animation, just like we were just talking about. Yep. And I just came back from perhaps the best of all, Frankenweenie. Also in October, I'm sure. I'd just like to share some of my thoughts and get your opinion. During Frank and Weenie, a movie theater in the background has Bambi on the marquee. This is very fitting. Both movies deal with children coping with death. The big difference with Frank and Weenie is that Sparky has a happy ending. With this in mind, do you think that Sparky should have lived after the windmill fire, or should Victor have learned to let go as Bambi did? um i don't know you know i think in that moment i was kind of like i felt like he should have just died because that's real and why give such false hopes to kids or something you know but then on the other side of me i felt like no i wanted him to live
2: i wanted i had the same opinion i wanted him to stay dead And I still have that same opinion. Thank you very much. So I just felt like it completely contradicted with everything the movie was teaching. That, I mean, you can't go to these extreme lengths to bring someone back. It's not real. It's not the, you know, the the circle of life in a way. And he kind of, it was all this kind of preaching in a way, although it wasn't preaching. But it was definitely there about, you know, just learning to accept it and moving on. And then he just got a free pass, you know, <laughs> he got another sparky. So that was kind of disappointing to me because I thought it would have been a bit more real and just more realistic.
1: I'm like, yeah, it's not that big of a deal to me, but yeah. And I remember when I, when I watched it, I was kind of like, I wish they kind of would have left him dead a little bit. Cause you kind of want to mourn for that too because at some point in time he's going to die and at some point in time you're gonna have to get over it so you might as well learn how to get over it now but then again I also think back and I'm like uh, but I don't want him to die I don't know but yeah it's true I agree and he continues and he says on another note Frankenweenie is an example of celebrity voice work done right unlike Hotel Transylvania the actors names were not paraded around on the posters and yet they did a stellar job with some, like Martin Short, voicing multiple characters. He did a better job at it than Robin Williams did in Happy Feet, for sure. This movie is an exception to what frustrates enthusiasts and voice actors so much. And that's a real treat for this Halloween. Best wishes, Mike B. I agree. I, I like the voice work in this one. And I like the fact that it wasn't paraded around. Speaking of voice work, that has been a theme in our podcast. I find that after going through all of these things, I've realized, Morgan, that we are really passionate about this. We love our voice
2: actors and hate our celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> celebrities are right. Yeah. I like actors done right.
1: Yeah, I just, I, we want it done right. So that's been a, a huge theme in that. And we've got another email that goes in with that as well.
2: Okay, this is from Anjali Singh. Hey, Rotoscopers. I've been catching up on a few episodes lately, and I have a few comments. On the episode about Prince of Egypt, you all talked about the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle show. I just wanted to let you know that that is already airing. As for Sean Astin voicing Raphael, it didn't bother me that much. In fact, I didn't know it was him. Speaking of voice acting, in the Aladdin episode, you talked about how people know characters by the celebrity who voices them. For me, it's the opposite. I know the actors because of the characters they have voiced. For example, whenever Nathan Lane is in anything, I think, oh, it's (laughs) Timon. In India, I started watching Full House for the first time. Something about DJ's boyfriend, Steve, kept bothering me. I couldn't figure out why until I looked him up online and learned that he was the voice of Aladdin. Ah, Steve. (laughs) 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 About Aladdin. I see the ending of Aladdin as an engagement ceremony, and they had a very long engagement. Indian weddings usually have an engagement ceremony before the wedding. That's all for now. I really love the show. And Jelly. Ooh, I like that. That's I know. Bit of perspective. That makes me feel okay about them kind of changing the wedding and pretending it never happened. Yeah, uh, me too. It goes out and says it's a wedding, but yeah, I like, I like that perspective and that makes me feel calm and at ease about everything. And yeah, I love lots about voice actors and how for some people it's, it's the character first that makes them know or become familiar with, you know, the the actor's other work
1: I've also noticed that one of the other themes that we do is normally we're really good at going on tangents
2: ah tangents
1: (laughs) as I was getting ready to watch it again I couldn't find our DVD. So I decided, you know what? I'm going to go back. I've got the VHS. Just pull it out. Pull that dinosaur out. <laughs> Let's find it. <laughs> as Old as well. trusty here. <laughs>
4: <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> Old reliable Toy Story VHS. Hey, it sure
1: it's mileage. It does. <laughs> wow. Sure, I
3: had to clean the headers on the VHS a couple
1: times. Yeah, no, I put it in the machine. I started rewinding it because it was, like, somewhere in the middle. <laughs> the fact that I had to rewind it was like, oh, wow. It takes me back. <laughs> but the machine started making this really crazy noise. I'm thinking it's gonna explode. <laughs>
2: And that was just a way of life back then. I
1: know. It was like, oh, that's normal. (laughs) I think if there's anybody listening to this podcast that's under the age of 15, they're not going to know anything of what we're saying.
3: What the freak is a VHS? for (laughs) the I
1: know, right? First world problems. (laughs) (laughs) No, 90s. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 90s first world problems. 90s. Oh, man. But my favorite part today was watching it is... Beforehand, it had all the previews, and I was—it was like going back in time to 1997, (laughs) because I could just see all of these old previews that were going past. You know, at first it was like 101 Dalmatians with Glenn Close, and then also they had an in-development.
2: Uh, Preview of Hercules.
4: Yeah, those were my
2: favorite of all the previews Disney did when they show like the black and white sketches and Uh like
3: yeah they show like the pencil test,
2: storyboards and stuff. Uh, they! I remember there was like a Beauty and the Beast one Aladdin it was because back then it's, they didn't have scenes completed yeah. they had to get a trailer out but there weren't very many scenes that were done and so they would just say hey just throw in these sketches I, one that really stands out to me is in the Mulan like one of the previews for Mulan I just remember it was black and white he's like the greatest gift and honor is having you for a daughter and Mulan she has like these like <laughs> triangles on her cheeks yeah because that's what, they would take those off and that's where they'd put like the blush and I, like, any time I see that scene, I just think, triangle <laughs> cheeks, so cute. Triangle <laughs> cheeks. <laughs> oh,
0: man. Yeah. And, the,
3: yeah, the Hercules in development preview, had, like, a pencil test for, like, when he punches that centaur guy, and uh-huh. he flies away, and his horseshoes fall after him. Yes. And, there's a,
2: and then and he the, falls,
3: and he gets back up, and he, like, gasps for air, and the horseshoe hits him again. Yep. And Does before that, that when he
2: punches him, or when he lands in the water, you see the actual words written: "Splash." Yeah.
4: <laughs> That's right.
2: <laughs> oh, my favorite—not
1: my favorite, but a good one—is "Honey, we've shrunk ourselves." <laughs> the one quote where he's like, "We need to get ourselves a different fabric softener." <laughs> The only reason I know that
3: goes because... Yeah, I was about to say the same
1: Because <laughs> of that one preview. I know that one. <laughs> <sighs> then it also had an old Disneyland commercial. It's like, the Remember the Magic. And it was like these little... It was the 25th anniversary of Disney World, and everyone's just, you know, they're just trying to bump up sales. Of, go, go see the parks. <laughs> but it was like, wow, that's cool. And then they had a PC computer game.
4: Oh, man. Of Toy
1: Story. And then um, they also had Mighty Ducks TV show. It was great. It felt really appropriate that I'd bring out the old VHS for this dusting off our childhood memories of this movie. <laughs> well... That was a lovely
2: 90s tangent, (laughs) reminiscing down memory lane. Hey, can I just clarify okay just because we're called the rotoscopers doesn't mean we think that rotoscoping is the most awesome thing in <laughs> the world <laughs> I know like on a few episodes we've mentioned like oh yeah there's like rotoscoping here but obviously we know that this is nothing compared to full-fledged animation a while ago we got some like bitter hate mail from someone like criticizing the name of our podcast <laughs> oh, yeah. and, oh I like, forgot <laughs> that guy <laughs> and like he was going off about how much rotoscoping sucks and he's like I can't believe you call yourself the rotoscopers like no No one in the industry is going to take you seriously. You guys are such a pathetic joke. I'm like, come on, we're not rescued. It
3: still hurts.
2: I know. Like, it did hurt at the time, but, like, we obviously got over it. Because we were
3: like, okay, we know they obviously did not listen to the podcast because like it's not like we're a podcast all about rotoscoping that would be kind of boring and I don't think people would like us
2: oh and the reason we call ourselves the rotoscopers is because like we're not the ones who are like the experts in the studios creating the films we're kind of like doing it from behind kind of making our own copy version of it so that's kind of why we call ourselves the rotoscopers because we're kind of going over everything that they've already done and talking about it and doing our best sorry (laughs) sorry So anyways, like we don't think rotoscoping is so awesome. (laughs) It's just a technique and it's kind of an easy one to talk about. So we do. So another exciting thing about the podcast is it has opened up a world of amazing people we've been able to meet and special guests we've had on the show.
3: Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers. Is that right? <laughs> yes. Animation Perfect. Addicts Podcast. Animation Addicts Podcast. Hello, this is Don Bluth, and you're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers. Perfect. <laughs> Hi, I'm Bill Farmer. Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast, where we're going to talk about all sorts of wacky voices. So stay tuned, would you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I would love it if you would have a Frankie Franco 3 or Freck as we know him. I think I said Frankie Franco 3. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> Frankie Franco 3. <laughs> I was like, wait, I definitely did not say the third. Okay. What did I say? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Frankie Franco 3. Oh, nice.
5: Now, do I need to record
4: on my end?
2: No, we have a recorder, so...
4: All right. You're A-okay.
2: You are good to go.
5: I can just do the fun part, then.
2: Yes. Exactly. See, you're a podcasting (laughs) pro, so... <laughs> you, you've done this all before, you know the Skype and the record and the yeah uh, the re-record yeah. occasionally.
3: Oh, that's the worst. <laughs> when like your side doesn't record and like the other three did, and you're like, oh crap, and so you have to try to go in and re-record. It's horrible. Yeah,
2: and be as funny as you were the first time and say the <laughs> yeah. same. Oh, it's it like was. you're
3: acting. You're you being a character of yourself. It's weird.
2: <laughs> yeah, we've definitely had those those moments before. There. Oh, anyways, <laughs> this isn't happening right now. Just FYI. No. <laughs>
3: hey, um, I got a question. though. Where's Chelsea?
2: Chelsea is in Texas and doesn't have internet connection. So she's not here.
3: Oh, shoot. Well, it's good that she's in Texas. Yeah. So do you know anyone who could possibly co-host with us since Chelsea's absent? Well, hey, guys. How's it going? Oh,
2: Hey. <laughs> I guess my brother's here. He'll um, take over Chelsea's spot.
3: What's up, Steven? Just a cool guy like you guys. Cool guy, huh? Rotoscoping away, huh? Yeah. I'm just a fan of the the Rotoscope podcast, so here I am.
2: It's Rotoscopers.
3: Oh. Podcast pal, Get out of here. (laughs) See you guys. Just kidding.
2: No tangents, guys.
3: (laughs) Oh, what is that noise? What is that? Oh, I have a (laughs) yo-yo. That makes, that makes noises when you do it. Okay. Fantastic. A yo-yo. I was a yo-yo. Was. Was.
1: <laughs> www.thundertube.com Made in St. Louis. Makes just plain wacky
4: sounds.
5: <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, late to be known
3: as John the First. He should have been known as John the Worst what the freak was that
1: (laughs) it's my thunder tube
3: (laughs) yeah it's not what it's not what it sounds like um what is why do you have a thunder tube
1: Oh, I got it, like at like a toy store or something, and I just thought it'd be fun to add to our.
4: our <laughs> <week>. <laughs>
3: that'd be, that'd be, okay, you should just do that at random parts of the podcast, <laughs> like when we're like, "Check the pumpkin." Cake. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, the Thunder Tube. I think it's going to be part of a, a, a rotoscoper staple. <laughs>
3: Dude, that's hilarious.
2: Like, I know podcasts where, like, when someone says something that's, like, a zinger or funny, they randomly ring a bell. But no podcasts I listen to have thunder tubes.
3: (laughs) It's amazing.
2: Okay. One of my highlights this year was getting to see a test screening of a film Let alone a test screening of Wreck It Ralph. So this was something that I've never been able to go to, and I was able to we were Chelsea and I were able to see Wreck It Ralph in its unfinished form. And so in episode ten we got to cover all things Wreck It Ralph from the test screening.
1: Oh oh John Lasseter. Oh, okay. So as we're sitting there, like, we're all, we've got our popcorn, we've got our drinks, and we're just waiting for the movie to start, and all of a sudden, like, you see all these different chairs that they're taped off, and they're like, they're like, oh, those are just some people that are going to be
2: coming in. We're like, oh, okay, and we're well, first, there was a guy down in the very front row who was wearing a Hawaiian shirt, and if anyone knows, John Lasseter wears Hawaiian shirts every single day. He yeah. has a huge collection, just, like, Google it uh, on YouTube. Like there's a video of him like going into his closet. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> but he had like a ponytail and he was kind of skinnier. I was like, Aw, fake John Lasseter. <laughs> Lame. I was like, Well, John Lasseter, he's the CEO of of Pixar and he's also the head of anime you know, the head of Walt Disney animation. This guy is a busy, busy guy. So I just kind of assumed he's not gonna be there. He has way too much on his plate to just go to a a screening. Like I'm sure he's seen this movie in the real form, like real meaning (laughs) R-E-E-L. Probably dozens upon dozens of times in some way, shape, or form. He's definitely not going to... You know, so I was like, eh, he's not going to be
1: there. But... But so we're sitting there, and all of a sudden, this whole group of people just come in, and some of them are dressed nicely and have these suits on, and some of them are are dressed (laughs) up um, just kind of casual, and some of them are more business trendy type. And they come in, and they they go and kind of disperse to different spots, and, and lo and behold, It's John.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I sit there and I'm like, I turn my head. I'm like, it's John Lasseter. Like I yell it kind of loud, but not loud enough so he could hear. And my boyfriend's like, no, that's not him. I'm like, no. No it is that's him and I I just like sat there with my mouth open and kind of not really but like I kind of watched him as he went up the stairs and he was one row behind us in the middle they put us on the side but um so I just kept looking back and there was another girl sitting right next to him and she kept turning to her friend like with you know making no noise and mouthing the words it's John (laughs) Lasseter," and she started crying (laughs)
1: Well, and then was another person, like, further back up. And she was just like, we love
2: you, John. <laughs> like, yeah. wow. Yeah, and he, he was like, uh, quiet. He was but, like, wait. shh. Pretty awesome. So yeah. he was there, and, like, I didn't expect that. A lot of the executives were there, and also the director. He was sitting kind of behind us, and then later on in the film, he was kind of behind us with a clipboard. Uh, pretty cool. I wish I could have come up to him because it would have been. I love The Simpsons and Futurama, yeah. and he's been really big and integral in those. I'm like, I just want to thank you for all you've done. <laughs> You're awesome. He's he's directed some of my absolute favorite Simpsons episodes: Streetcar Named Marge, oh, yeah. Take Fear. Um, How was that? The oh, Monorail. The Monorail episode <laughs> so was probably the. I always wanted to go up to him and say, I called the big one. fight. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he, I, I'm pretty sure he, he would know what that all is I'm sure he does but then again we didn't want to be fangirls like I, I heard someone later they're like yeah some people were going up to John Lasseter and I was just like really embarrassed for them because they were just like not doing it the right way oh, and yeah. I was just like yeah okay Like I'm, I'm glad I didn't go up to him and, and whatever so
1: But this is our way to fangirl out. You can now know exactly what we're thinking. And if John Lasseter ever gets this, no, we thank you for everything you've done. And if Rich Moore ever sees this, we're going to say, oh, wow. Thank you so much for Simpsons. Thank you so much for this movie. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
2: Since we posted our podcast about Wreck-It Ralph, it somehow made the circulation around Walt Disney Animation, and we were able to meet some friends who worked on the film, one being Renato dos Anjos. Anjos? Anjos.
1: Anjos. Well, technically it's Anjos, but...
2: I'm American. <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome.
2: One being Renato dos Anjos, who was the animation supervisor for the film, so... Yeah, that's a big deal. He's a big deal. He's a big deal.
1: How do they say it in English?
4: Oh, well, it's, uh, yeah, it kind of goes something like Renato, uh, Dos Anjos, but it's uh, Anjos, yeah, which is, you know, to of angels, you know, coming from a Catholic country, that's uh, what I got. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So Renato is the animation supervisor uh, at Walt Disney Animation Studios for Wreck-It Ralph. And this is the head honcho who's over all the supervising animators. He's, anything that's about animation, it goes through him. That's so cool. Yeah, you know, the first time that we came in contact with this
1: project was at the test screening. So, you know, what does it take for you guys on your guys' side to get ready for something like that?
4: Um, Well, you know, actually... uh... To tell the truth, actually, we we heard your uh, podcast here. The, uh, the animators kind of someone sent out the link, and we thought it was really, really cool and cute and everything. So we <laughs> really appreciate you kind of putting the piece out there. I, I think everybody, you know, here kind of had an opportunity to kind of listen to everything. It was awesome. I, I liked it a lot. I thought it was really genuine. Um, but yeah, you know, like, so, uh, well, I really, you know, I totally appreciate you guys calling, you know, uh, I love the piece that you guys did for us again, you know, I so thought it was really cute and very, uh, genuine. Um, well, thank and, you.
2: We really liked what we saw. So we're really excited. We see the preview uh, or the screening on Monday.
4: So. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Where yeah. About?
2: Um, in Arizona.
4: Arizona. Okay. That's so quite, it feels better, you know, um, you know, I don't want to. To spoil anyone's experience, you know, watching it so totally. But, yeah. well,
2: we will let you know when we see it and what our mm. thoughts are, and I can only imagine they'll be even more positive than they were before. So, first off, <laughs> congratulations, so. or,
4: else, <laughs> or else I know where Phoenix is, <laughs> I know where you live. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll <laughs> yeah, I've got powers over the internet,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: This email comes from Shannon subject Paperman behind the scenes. Hey guys, first off, I love the podcast. You guys are awesome. And I love listening to your podcast while I'm at work or doing whatever. I just listened to your latest podcast on Wreck-It Ralph. Awesome movie. And noticed your discussion on Paperman and how it was done. Well, you should be glad to know that they have the progression reel online to view the same one you guys saw at D23. The link to the video is here. And enjoy it and keep making great podcasts. That's so awesome. I really can't wait to watch this. So it's going to be in the show notes. We'll put that in there on how you can get a hold of this video about the progression of Paperman. Because it really is groundbreaking. Maddie writes to us with the subject of Wreck-It Ralph episode. Hello, Rotoscopers. I just wanted to start off by saying how much I love your show. Disney is pretty much my life. So hearing in-depth conversations about my favorite movies makes me happy every time there's a new episode. About the wonderful new movie, Wreck-It Ralph, loved every bit of it. Before I saw this movie, I wasn't too excited, but then I kept hearing good things about it. And after, I was in love. But you did say something about there only being one racer boy in Sugar Rush, but there's actually three racer boys. The names are Gloyd Orange Boar, Rancis Fledgerbutter, and Swizzle the Swiz Malarkey. Oh, jeez. Who names these people? Oh. Also, I was really surprised that Kingdom Hearts didn't get a cameo in Wreck-It Ralph. Since it's a hugely popular Disney Square Enix game... That was one of the possible cameos that I was really looking forward to. Just want to hear your thoughts on that, because I know you've brought it up several times in other episodes. Also, another cool cameo was the Space Paranoids game from Tron. Love the show and can't wait to hear more from you in the next episode. Maddie.
2: Thank you, Maddie. Um, So I guess I was wrong. There were three racer boys, but apparently they're very... uh ambiguous boys who dress like girls or very girly-ish boys. But that's okay. It so Sugar Rush. Free. I, I just imagine Sugar Rush was more of a girly game, but I'm glad the boys can have a boy character that they can play too, if they so choose. And um, about... The Kingdom Hearts cameos. I know it seems as though Kingdom Hearts is a shoe in for a Disney uh, a Disney movie about video games. But I think the one reason why Kingdom Hearts didn't make their way into it is strictly the fact that Kingdom... Strictly the fact that Wreck-It Ralph really only talked about the world of arcade games. And so it just doesn't really... While it is kind of perfect that, you know, I' have been wanting to see some of the Kingdom Hearts characters and other things, but it just doesn't fit with the universe. Now, that being said, I remember director Rich Moore talking about the uh, what is now inevitable Rocket Ralph sequel, and he was talking about how he, they're really going to try to get these other video game characters into the sequel. So this game, this movie sort of focused on arcades and maybe the next movie is going to focus a little bit on console games. Um yes, yeah, so essentially we're Ralph and presumably the gang who have now grown to be very quickly favorites. I'm talking about Sergeant Calhoun and Vanellope von Um how they are going to try to maybe go into A home console in some way shape or form and he did mention in this and i mean correct me if i'm wrong listeners but i think he mentioned that they really are going to try and go for mario in this next one and this sort of reminds me it gives me a feeling of it's like the barbie toy story situation where you know they couldn't get barbie in the first one because mattel said no and then in the second one mattel was like yes 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 so i think by now Nintendo's like, okay, yeah, 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 you can take the plumber. Like, make him a main star if you want. Just do what you want. (laughs) (laughs) Just go for it. So, regarding our Don Bluth episode, we got some fan mail about it from Shelby. says, hey, rotoscopers, I would like to say thank you for having that amazing Don blue special it was really great to get some insight on the world of animation from such a great filmmaker i myself have hopes of becoming a great traditional animator this episode really motivated me and gave me some good pointers on animation if you ever need anything drawn or animated i'd be glad to give you a hand keep up with the podcast i will be making a donation soon sincerely shelby thanks
1: shelby This next one is from Jolly, and she says, I'm a big fan of the show. I love the silliness, the interviews, the wizards' duels are hilarious. I'm always listening to your guys' show when I am working on art projects of my own because it brings me so much inspiration to my work and my ideas. Animation and cartoons has been a big part of my life, and the podcast truly helps me become closer to them. I am an independent animator, and I hope to bring out a short film That I have been working on for years, just trying to get it perfect. The Rotoscopers podcast brings me new ideas and inspiration. While listening to the podcast, I was wondering if you guys had any fan art. I looked and found none, so late one night I sketched up a quick pic for you guys. I had no idea what exactly to put in it, so I just put my own character in it. Giving you guys a super big thumbs up, because you're awesome like that. Her name is Harp. She likes the podcast too. I'm also going to donate to you guys because I know every cent counts to help out. I hope we can chat sometime. You guys are great. Jolly. So Jolly, she she sent us this email with this fan art. And actually right now it's up on the Facebook fan page. So if you want to head up there, the whole cover photo is is her fan art. So we want to thank her so much. And also donating is a great idea. Thank you for that as well.
2: And yes. Uh, donating is a very good idea it's one of the best ways to support the show and Shelby actually did donate so thank you Shelby for your donation and also we recently got a donation from Matthew so thank you guys so so much it really helps a lot and we love you guys for it and if you have been thinking about donating and would like to donate uh, anything that you can to help keep the show running you can just go to therotoscopers.com slash donate very easy and you can pick your amount and it automatically sends it through paypal so thank you guys so we've been listening also in this podcast to a few voicemails if you want to leave us
1: a voicemail you can head on over to rotoscopers.com backslash voicemail
5: hi rotoscopers it's Alex and i just wanted to let you know that your podcast is very entertaining and insightful to those who love animation and animators also, my favorite podcast has been episode one because it was very hilarious and I've also enjoyed the Pixar movie-related podcast. Thanks again for a wonderful discussion about animation. Uh, keep up the amazing work and have a great rest of the year and see you next year, 2013. Thanks. Bye.
2: I recently got into this really awesome animation podcast called The Rotoscopers, and you can find them on
0: Hyperbole, or go onto iTunes and search for The Rotoscopers. And it's a really funny podcast. Like the three hosts, they're awesome, and I'm really excited to listen to their new episode because I haven't listened to it yet. Um, but one of the things that they do, they call it like uh, the ner- nerdy couch session or something like that, and it's just kind of like a little... Pre, pre-talk pre to what they're leading into type thing as somehow related with the, the movie they're reviewing. Like, they did it before they started talking about Tangled. Pretty much just talking about, like, who, like, their top three favorite Disney princesses out of the ten uh, official
2: Disney princesses. And I thought that was really cool that they did that. This episode is from Zach subject episode one hey rotoscopers just wanted to write in and say that i really enjoy listening to your podcasts since your podcasts i have been watching more animated films woohoo that's good i like that anyways i was reflecting on your very first podcast about the disney classic beauty and the beast you guys have made a few comments on harry potter and who did the voice of mrs potts first of all i really i would really appreciate if you would quit making fun of harry potter just because the movies aren't animated Second of all, you had said that Emma Thompson, or Julie Walters, of the Harry Potter films, did the voice of Mrs. Potts. You were incorrect. Actually, the voice of Mrs. Potts was done by actress Angela Lansbury, who starred in the TV crime drama named Murder, She Wrote. Don't mean any disrespect. Just thought this should be said. Thanks, Zach. Okay, first off, I, this was our first episode, and I think there were obvious errors made in this episode. I must say that I'm a huge, huge Harry Potter fan. It was the very first podcast I ever listened to was MuggleCast, which you can actually listen to on Hypeable, where we can find our podcasts, and it's an amazing show. So MuggleCast it was one of the first, you know, that, that's what got me into podcasting and being a fan of podcasts. So I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. And so I don't, I don't know, I think this is just funny that... I guess we were making, I can't really recall this, but I guess we were making fun of Harry Potter and uh, I'm very sorry because I'm a lover of Harry Potter. I think maybe it was just taken in the wrong, uh, <laughs> angle. Maybe yeah. Mason who was saying it because I love Harry Potter. <laughs> you
1: know, we all do though, is that's a funny thing is we all love Harry Potter. And so it was just funny. I think in this specific episode, we talk about Hermione's time turner. And just different things of that nature, but I don't really remember us making fun of it ever in any of the episodes. I mean, if if it was, it'd only be in jest of like, oh, haha, remember that part? That's funny. Not ever making fun of it though, because.
2: Yeah. And uh, Angela Lansbury, I think, I don't know who said this, but I think most of us know that Angela Lansbury was the person who did, you know, Mrs. Potts. She's famous actress. She was in Bed Noms and Brood Sticks and, of course, Murder, She Wrote. So, yes, I guess I'm just getting very defensive right now because, I mean, I agree with you, Zach, and it I just must have been just the slip of the tongue um, and, you know, we missed it when we were editing and forgot to cut it out, but, yes, we love Angela Lansbury. She is forever immortalized as Mrs. Potts, and she sang beautifully in that film. Oh, yeah. And of course, uh, Harry Potter rocks. Wizard rock, that is. <laughs>
1: This episode has been really special because it's been it's been something that the fans can have just a hands-on opportunity to help out with the episode. I'll be honest, most of the help that we received in most of these clips came from fans themselves. And a big fan that has helped us a lot with this as well is Gary
2: Wright.
5: Hey, guys. Well, it's been a fantastic year, hasn't it? Uh, there have been... So many awesome memories, awesome moments. I can't believe this year has flown by so fast. <laughs> uh, you guys truly are an awesome podcast. Definitely one of the best I have ever listened to. I'm not even kidding. Uh, my favorite moment of two thousand twelve would definitely be the time vortex in the West Wing from episode one. I I laughed so hard at that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Ah, uh, good times. Okay, I am trying to keep this as short as possible, so I'll just say thank you for everything, all the good times, all the memories, and here's wishing you guys the very best for an equally fantastic, amazing, magical 2013. Bye, guys. Okay, group hug, group hug. Oh, my friend is the monkey. Oh, hairball. Oh.
2: So this is actually an email that Gary sent us a long time ago back in July and we actually recorded it and it was this big international mailbag from people um, who live in different countries who sent us mail and it got lost. And so it's, you know, internally between Chelsea Mason and I, it's known as the lost letters. And so we're going to read it now. It says, hi, Rotoscopers. I just wanted to say I love the podcast. I've been listening to you guys ever since the Wreck-It Ralph episode and i have listened to almost every episode now, myself. I'm a college student and animation fan from India. Yes, we do make cheap knockoffs, but whatever. I have grown up with animation. In fact, the first movie I ever saw was Aladdin. Woo go Aladdin! I guess it was meant to be an. I, I guess I was meant to be an animation fan since I was born in the same year as Beauty and the Beast, aka my favorite film of all time. I grew up in the Disney Renaissance with movies like The Lion King, Milan, and Tarzan, even Anastasia, even though it's not Disney and the Prince of Egypt. I'm also a big Pokemon fan. Since listening to your podcast, I have also had a greater appreciation for DreamWorks and Studio Ghibli. I watched Spirited Away for the first time when you guys covered it and loved it a lot. I also enjoyed listening and laughing along with you guys. Very few people around me truly appreciate animation. And sometimes I even have to go to animation movies alone, sad face. I can't even quote when I'm in social situation because nobody gets it. With your podcast, I can truly enjoy animation. Keep up the great work. And most importantly, don't let all this success get to your head. Just kidding. Animatedly, Gary, right from India. So thank you, Gary. You've been such a big help to the show and we appreciate everything that you've done and all your enthusiasm. And I'm glad that you have now have another outlet for anim- your animation love. Um, so anyone who's a fan of animation is a friend of ours. So Chelsea talked about her favorite episode, which was the Swan Princess episode. And my favorite episode has to be hands down the Beauty and the Beast episode. It was our very first episode. We had no idea what we were doing, and we just sort of went with it. And it was just really fun because we were just laughing and giggling and, you know, talking, talking seriously at times about Beauty and the Beast and what a wonderfully animated film that is, you know, and like Gary said, you know, film in general. Um, and I just always, I just remember always going back and listening to that first episode. I know really lame. I go back and listen to myself, not so much anymore, but when you first start doing something new, it seems like you're always checking, you know, your new pet po- project. And this episode has definitely has my, uh, the, the big stamp of approval from me. I think it is one of our top episodes of all time. Just the spontaneity and the excitement, um, surrounding that episode, just, can't be beat, really, in my opinion. So, uh, here is a big, long list of clips from that episode. Also, featuring probably our number one inside joke from the podcast the time vortex in the West Wing. <laughs> I don't know. Something in me loves animation, and I see all the animated films I can. Ultimately, I want to work in the industry one day. More on the business side, because I can't draw. I'm not an artist. I'm not a singer-actor. But anyway, so I love animation, and Chelsea and I talk about animation all the time. All the time. So we just decided we might as well record ourselves and let the world, if they want, hear.
3: It's true. Oh, they want.
4: They're going to want.
2: It reminds me, I heard this story of this high school that they, you know, the kids, they got together, um, they got to pick their new mascot name. And so the, everyone voted, and the name they picked was uh, the Cougars. And the school board turned it down because they said it would be offensive to a certain group of women, old women, who live a certain lifestyle.
0: Oh, A.k.a. Cougars. <laughs> and
2: they could their school the Cougars because it might offend, like, legitimate oh, Cougars. Gosh. And I just think it's hilarious. I kind of, I don't know. I think sometimes we take things too seriously.
3: Eh, I want to be the Cougars, anyway.
2: <laughs> yeah. Anyways. So, what do you guys think about? it? Excited?
3: Oh, I'm I'm so excited! If you had the chance to change your fate, would you? <laughs> oh <I'm> Nah.
2: Not... <laughs> <laughs> nah. <I'm dead. laughs> That's why they're not making a movie about us. Sorry,
1: so- I remember my brother and I, we did this... it was like a summer musical production and where they would like take different songs from different movies or different plays. And then we would all like just play and do a reenactment of these parts. And I remember they ended up doing the, the one song where they're going through where there goes the baker with this tray like always the same old bread and rules to sell. And so they did that song and we're all going and singing along. And I remember my part was like, I got to go out in front and I was just like, I need six, six eggs. eggs. <laughs> and my brother, that's too expensive. <laughs>
3: <laughs> the <baggage>. hurry up. <laughs>
1: exactly. I mean, it just, that was some a uh, huge memory for me to be able to do that. But it, it was also, it goes to show you the amazing writing that was written into all these songs. Howard Ashman is probably one of my absolute favorite lyricists. Just the way he like he wrote things was just awesome. A lot of alliteration, a lot of just... Very punny type words mm-hmm. that he used. And it was just, we saw that in A Little Mermaid and again here in Beating the Beast, which really made, added that extra level of entertainment.
2: And the funny thing is, I like I like Gaston for who he is and for how pompous he is. And kind of, you know, like, he has a lot going for him. He's always, you know, like, very talented. And he's Obviously. a great wrestler. He has chest hair. And yeah. all
3: those eggs he used to eat as a kid. I now he's know. the size of I mean, barge. You
2: know, he kind of, like, you know, is that guy who always has everything going for him. You know, the girls are fawning on him and right. love him. then even through that, there's, there's flaws that he has. Well, and he's got there this there became, big, you know, they're they're noticeable from the very beginning, but for some reason I still like him because of those. Yeah. Like a lot. Like I I hate Gaston, but not really. <laughs> like I really like Gaston. He's a you great villain. Him, you know, it's true.
3: And he's got this big conflict cuz he wants this one girl. And it's like it's the only girl in town that doesn't want him. And <laughs> yeah. so he's attracted to that cuz he's this, you know, he man dominating. And well, he's a hunter.
2: It's He's all about it's all about getting the prize and like putting it up point. on your wall. True. Yep, so I, I guess point. there's kind of that in, that analogy there where you know, he has the bear rug, he has the moose, he has this, he probably has like really rare things on his wall and he could get those three girls if he really wanted to. I think they're very... the bimbets. <laughs> the,
0: uh, the what?
2: <laughs> I think that's what they're called. But they are like babets. It's something funny like that. Babets. But that's they funny. he can have them and he probably has be honest
3: (laughs) hey it's disney
2: well it's like a whatever
3: whatever not all pink flowers
2: and but you know there's that bell like the prize the gorgeous rare flower that he can't have and so that's kind of the lure in her but then she doesn't want him
3: Apart from that, you have. Which I just uh, say. Go for it. This
2: is unrelated to animation, but hmm. what was the witch's deal, or the sorceress, or the whoever she you was? Know, was I was watching. Purpose? I was watching
3: the intro today, and I was like, you know, how come you never see more of the enchantress? Why doesn't she come back like, in the end and say, you know, you have passed the test? <laughs> you
6: know? Yeah,
2: and like turn it into a crystal rose that it can. You know, watch forever. Well, I don't know. Just like, what was her gripe Like that she had with him? Just like, oh, w- I, he's a see- bad guy. I put it upon myself to teach him to listen. <laughs> I am. <laughs> so Maybe there's police. some sort of
3: like guild of enchantresses and fairies that are like, sent out. They have some sort of information network. You know, they yeah. probably take your personal information from your computer and and determine if you are ready for a life-changing test or not.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, here's another conundrum that I have. He's the prince, right? Right. He... <laughs> yes. Did he... Yes, yes. I mean, obviously he had subjects and people that he was prince over. You what? know what? Did they just, like, forget about him? Like, the townsfolk, was that part of the enchantment? I... Maybe,
3: yeah, part of the enchantment was that it just kind of passed on to legend or... Or I don't know. Um, yeah. No No explanation there. I, I got nothing.
2: Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, because, uh, you know, obviously it's not enchanted so much like Hogwarts, where if a muggle comes by it, you you can't, it just says, oh, this is a scary old building, please go away. Mm-hmm. And then the muggle says, okay, and they wander away, you know. But this, yeah, you know, Maurice dimension. and Belle, they can just walk up, and they see the castle, they can enter. I mean, obviously, you you have to have women enter the castle if you want them to fall in love with him. All right. <laughs> but I don't know, I just always I, bothered me that, what happened to his people? Didn't they worry about their beloved prince? But maybe he was so revolting that he passed on to oblivion. Or maybe his castle is so large that just everyone worked there.
1: <laughs> I mean, you <laughs> look at the last
2: scene, there's a whole bunch of people there. No, you look in um, Be Our Guest and think of all the forks. I know. All the plates.
3: All the silverware had to turn back into people.
2: <laughs> Yikes. We're
3: talking a staff of 500 minimum folks. Yeah, for the one guy. rolling prince.
2: <laughs> okay. And then I have a, this is another legitimate question. Sorry, we'll go back to the other discussion about animation. Um,
3: no, this is before it.
2: What? Okay, so I I should have looked this up beforehand, but maybe you guys will know. Was his sentence that he had to be a beast for 21 years or until he turned 21?
3: Kind of like a Davy Jones type of thing? Yeah. The yeah. Sentence of his transformation. Well, because
2: in the thing it says, you know, if he didn't find true love before his 21st year, I mean, he didn't look too young in that. Yeah, like, stained glass window, but maybe they did a great job of.
1: Or no, like even the picture of him in, in his room. Oh, yeah. It was like it's the same guy. Like, it, he hasn't aged at all. Like, did he just look like super old at, at puberty? Like, really young? I guess. Yeah, like, I don't know.
4: But- oh, my goodness.
3: <laughs> I never thought do? about that before. <laughs> you know, this is kind of ruining my Beauty and the Beast experience <laughs> Wait, that, you know, we over the, the years.
2: It. That's the rotoscope bizar.
3: That is. We must. We must rotoscope. <laughs> Wow, I never thought of it that way. You know, maybe, uh, I don't know. The whole Disney thing, you know, characters don't age that yeah. much, you know.
1: Yeah, and it says it's like 10 years we've been rusting, needing so much more than
2: dusting.
3: Well, well and they, Chip is they're still they're a cool. kid. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so
2: maybe, you know what it was? Maybe it was for 21 years he had to be, a, you know, he had 21 years to do this otherwise it, he would stay a beast forever but he everyone was essentially frozen in time yeah but then why they would, didn't age they didn't grow up and then when they really turned back they they were back where they were why they were. would the rose be wilting after just 10 years
1: that's like a defective it, rose.
3: Maybe there, no a vortex, maybe there was a time vortex. Maybe there's a time vortex floating in the glass.
2: Of <laughs> rose.
3: Yeah, or am Every I time, time they take the here? glass
1: off, it like takes ten years off. Of <laughs> That's why he gets so
2: mad when she lifts it up. It's
3: true. <laughs> like, the time does? vortex. No. <laughs> Belle, you don't touch the time vortex. Rawr!
2: Exactly. (laughs) Oh man.
3: I can see the the beast as this like nerd guy. No, the time
4: vortex. No.
3: (laughs) He's a spoiled, rotten computer nerd. (laughs) I
1: always knew he looked better. Beast.
3: (sighs) Anyway, but yeah, okay. So there's some definite continuity (laughs) holes that we've been dissecting. Yeah, that we've been yanking out of this.
1: Yeah, one thing, I have a question. Why We're still on Yeah, I'm sorry, this is my (laughs) conundrum. Why in the world did he say, the quote is, she's like, you can go anywhere you want into the castle, except the West Wing. Well, what's What's in the the West? West? It's forbidden. You know, it's like, why didn't he just say,
2: that's my room?
3: (laughs) (laughs) All my stuff is in there. It's embarrassing.
2: It's true, it is quite a mess. It is. For me, uh, that, would, that would just be like, all right, that's your, <laughs> that's your room. I got it. That's your spot. <laughs> I will your let spot. you. Yeah, he made it so like so mysterious, like it's, then, forbidden. it's forbidden. She's like, it's oh, forbidden. It's-
3: don't go in there because awesome it's forbidden. It's right there in the west side of the castle. You know, west wing, but it's forbidden. You can't go there. Right. An elephant graveyard is no. You know, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I've said too much.
1: <laughs> but I think also that would have taken away like a good plot part of the story. So I whatever you, know, the f- you have to write it in for the story. Whatever.
2: Until next time, we, we, we are, are the rotoscopers. rotoscopers. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't work out too well. Just, we'll just
3: take it from out. another episode. Hey, um, no one catches on to it's the same clip over and over. <laughs> hey, they're just using the same recording over and over.
2: <laughs> that was a really good quote
3: <laughs> what kind um, of cut right. reproduction is this?